Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And man, that's what we're here to do today. We're here to behold the Lamb. Amen. And uh, no matter how you came in here, and I acknowledge the reality that all of us came in here in different statuses and different mindsets, I just pray that you would see Jesus today. This is all about Jesus. Um, we're all about Jesus here at Harvest. This is our heart. And as we continue to dig into God's word here, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4 today. So if you want to get a head start there, go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. And if you don't have a Bible or a copy of God's word with you, man, we would love, love, love to give you one. That would be our gift to you. And it would really be your gift to us if you would take it and read it and, and just really just meditate on it. God is at work in a, in a big way here at Harvest. And we're so thankful for it. So thankful for your faithfulness and attendance and giving and in all the ways. Um, I just, I believe that God has a word for us this morning and I'm excited to see what he's going to do as we continue our Start to Scent series, as we see how God is asking us to grow in our followership of Jesus Christ each and every day as he strengthens us all along the way. So question for you guys as we get going here is, who's a donut fan? Right, yeah. All right, and now on the count of three, I want you to tell me together your favorite donut and then why it's Boston cream, okay? So all, to, all together on the count of three, like just, we love class participation here. So one, two, three. Awesome. You guys like strawberry-filled donuts. Great. Uh, God is at work in a big way. Now, how many of you, there's a new donut shop in town. Anybody familiar with it? It's called Shipley's Donuts, right? And uh, Thomas is like all about that, you know. Um, but super thankful for that. And it is at 1099 Annapolis Road in Odenton. I ventured over there this week to get some donuts for our staff and um, uh, for a couple of different reasons. But it was more than about a, more than a donut trip for me. Um, because the reality is, and you might be like, what's in a donut? And I'm like, well, you don't really want to know the answer to that question. <laughs> but on a, on a metaphorical level, here's the reality. Our church used to be literally where that donut shop is right now. Um, and three years in, you'll see a picture on the screen behind me. Three years into our ministry here, God provided a ministry center on the circle in Odenton, a very visible space. And some of you are here because we were there. Some of you are like, that's how I got to know about Harvest because I drove by and I saw your building and I saw the sign that we were, that was not where we had church. We continued to meet on Sunday mornings um, at the middle school, uh, but we had the ministry there. We had staff meetings there. We had elder meetings there. We had youth group there. We had uh, ladies teachings there. We had fellowship events there. We had worship team rehearsal there. Everything outside of Sunday morning for the most part, outside of so we had small groups that were hosted there, happened there. Praise God, amen. So when we think about the ministry year of build your church, this is just another sign of Jesus is building his church here at Harvest. And when we bought it, it was a motorcycle shop. It has been several things, but we bought it, not bought it, when we rented it, it was a motorcycle shop. And so many of you, and so many of you may be listening online, poured your blood, sweat, and tears to help develop that and turn that into a ministry center. You'll see one of our leaders there, Gord Vossler, who poured a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that place and super thankful for that and super thankful for you because at every step of the way, you have continued to allow God to use you in a big way to help build his church, to work for Christ. As Jesus builds his church, he uses people like you and me all along the way. Now, the story of Harvest Annapolis has always been and always will be the story of God at work, Jesus building his church. The locations change, but God's faithfulness never changes, amen? And our mission never changes. And I want to encourage all of you to maybe take a minute on the way out to look at our new wall in the lobby. And so thankful for Don and Amy Webster for putting that up for us this week. And, but on the wall are third pictures of 32 baptisms. And that's just a portion of what God has done here over the years. Different locations, different seasons of ministry, and different ages, ethnicities, races, backgrounds, genders. One God, one mission, one grace that continues to save. Praise God, amen. One gospel. Jesus is building his church. That's our why wall. That's our transformation wall. That's the story of Jesus' church because as we seek to fulfill the Great Commission, the Great Commission is filled one name, one person, one family at a time. And every story matters. You matter. Your story matters. So praise God for that. 
So as we continue to look at what does it look like to live, to matriculate along our way from start to cent, I want to draw your attention to what you'll see in your bullet on, on a chair next to you, this chart. Uh, you can take it, put it in your Bible or whatnot. This is a, a living document. It's a working document of just a, a, a discipleship pathway, a leadership development pipeline, all combined into one to a disciple-making culture that we are pursuing. We're not, perfe- we're not perfect in it. We will never be perfect in it, but we are pursuing here at Harvest because it's our privilege and our responsibility from the moment you start attending here, from start your walk with the Lord here, to living sent here, every step along the way, this is our heart for you. This is what the series is all about, preaching through this. And today we're on the third week, and you'll see on the chart there, work for Christ. We're going to look at what does it mean to work for Christ? What does it mean to give back to the Lord in an aspect of worship, out of a heart of worship, our hands, our hearts, our head, our resources, our time, our talent, our treasure, to advance the kingdom of God out of an act of worshiping God. I want to draw your attention to the other pamphlet that you'll see on the chair around you. It's called Work for Christ Opportunities. At the end of this service, I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to turn this back in up front or in the back or online. You can, you can drop a, a note in the, in the comment field or DM us if you would like. Because how there is a, you're going to find as we go through the text today in 1 Peter 4 that God has given us each a gift and we have a responsibility to, to use it to build his kingdom as a heart of worship. These are internal focused opportunities more to build his church because we're going to see directly from the text today. It's about using our spiritual gifts to love one another, to build the church of God. So I just want you to know that that is coming and be preparing your heart to respond to that because I think that every single one of us has an area to respond to this in our heart. And I want to say off the top, this is not a do more message. This is a worship more message. God wants your heart. And as an overflow of your heart, he'll get your hands, he'll get your checkbook, he'll get your calendar. It's not a do more message. And so many of you are so, so faithful. And I just want to say thank you so much. It's a worship message. It's a heart message. Here's, a, here's a, their big idea for today. And you'll see it on the screen. That faithful stewards of God's grace are faithful servants for God's glory. Are fervent servants for God's glory. Faithful stewards of God's grace are fervent servants for God's glory. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful for how you're at work. We're so thankful for how you are moving in in us and through us, God, for your glory. God, I just pray that you would continue to work in a mighty way in our midst. God, that you would just magnify yourself here in your house. God, I pray that you would silence me and that your words would flow. God, that we would receive your grace today and then we would steward your grace today. Thank you for your grace, Jesus. God, it changes us, it saves us, it sends us. And Father, right now, I just pray that you would eliminate the distractions that might be around us or running through our head and that you would speak in us and through us for your glory. The Holy Spirit, speak to us in a way that only you can. And Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to respond in a heart of worship, God, that just exalts your mighty name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter is towards the end of the New Testament, probably about two-thirds of the way through. This is the word of the Lord as the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Peter to write. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Peter writes this, as each has received a gift, use it to steward one, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So Peter, in this letter, Peter is writing to Christians who have been dispersed. They have been sent out from where they used to live because of persecution in the church. They are going through incredible difficulty, but this whole, this whole letter that he is writing is to a variety of churches, and so it's to God's global church, but also God's local church. But it's to encourage them to how to grow as disciples of the Lord as they faced everyday difficulties for the Lord. And while you and I might not realistically face the type of persecution that those in, that Peter is writing to specifically did, where their lives were literally on the line, and there are people in other parts of the world right now whose lives are literally on the line for following Christ. 
I think in some capacity, we can understand, div- what is it? We can understand difficulty, right? And each of you is carrying difficulties right now, walking through tragedy and facing adversity. So what does it look like to serve the Lord as his body, as his family together through while we are enduring great difficulties? Peter's going to outline that. And remember at Harvest, what do we define a maturing disciple as? Three things. We call them the three W's. And if you didn't notice when you came in, they were right there in front of your face on a banner of the wall, right? The three W's, what are three characteristics of a maturing, a pursuing disciple? One who what? What's the first W? Worship. The next one walks with. And the third W is works for. And if you want more information on that, I would encourage you to come join us at step two in a couple weeks. But this is part of this pathway, part of this journey, part of this process. And this is a heartbeat for every single one of us here because we want to be maturing disciples as we fulfill the Great Commission. Worshiping Christ is not an hour, hour and a half on a Sunday morning or a couple times at a small group. It is a 24-7 daily life. Amen? That's our heartbeat here. Working for Christ is an essential part of continually becoming more like Christ as we see in this text. So Peter is saying, hey, church, in the, middle of, in the midst of great adversity and future uncertainty, you are still called to work faithfully, to worship wholeheartedly, and to serve one another continually because Jesus will build his church. The key steps from this text to, under, to serving Christ faithfully is one, understanding our role clearly. In this role, Peter very clearly says in verse 10, we are stewards. That's a role. It's both a noun and a verb, right? By definition, I am a steward. I'm a manager, not an owner. And then I have the opportunity to steward through my actions. More on that in a little bit. And two, we have a role and then we have a responsibility in verse 10. To use our giftedness to serve one another. So we need to understand these things. So today we're going to look at what does it mean to be a good steward of God's grace? Because when you look at the text, it says this. To serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So first, before you are a steward of God's grace, you need to be a recipient of God's grace. Amen. And God's grace is here to save you and to love you and to care for you. And I just pray that you would embrace that. But two, we need to understand this reality that you cannot just, we are all called to be stewards. So you're a steward whether you want to be or not. The question is, are you going to be a good one or a bad one? Because if there are good stewards, guess what there also are? Bad stewards. And the reality of stewardship is you and I will stand before a holy God one day in heaven and give an account. Scripture teaches us this. For how we steward, how we manage our time, our talent, our resources that God has given us, because it's all God's, he's the owner, how we've used it to accomplish his purposes. Maybe we have, maybe we haven't. But I believe that every single one of us has another step to take in this, amen? Because God wants all of us. And I don't think he has all of us. So what are three signs of a good steward of God's grace, as we see in this text? so that we can be pursuing it in our own lives. The first sign is this. Stewards of grace are conduits of God's grace. Stewards of grace are conduits of God's grace. These signs are to be fruits of a faithful walk with the Lord. They are to be evidenced on a daily basis. Good stewardship of God's grace recognizes these three realities. One, from the text in verse 10, that I have a gift. Right? The text says, Peter says, as each has received a gift. It's a fact statement. It's not like, hey, maybe you got a gift and maybe you didn't. No, you have a gift. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got a gift. Right? This is referring to spiritual gifts. Okay? A spiritual gift is a gift of the Holy Spirit from God that you received as you are saved. And each one of us has at least one. Some of us have more than one. Some of us are like, I wish I had that one. I don't really want the one that I got. Right? But that doesn't negate the responsibility and the opportunity that we have to steward faithfully just because we didn't get what we wanted or wish we had. God knows best, amen? But how many of us are frustrated because I wish I had the teaching gift, but I just have the mercy gift. Man, I'm so glad you have mercy. How many of us are fledgling and serving because we are begrudging the gift that we have been given? 
second thing we need to re- realize is not only do I have a gift, but I have a responsibility, right? In the text in verse 10, it says it right here. You have received a gift, and that, what's the next two words after the gift, after the word gift in your text? Use it. <laughs> like, it's an exhortation. It's a responsibility to use it. It's not yours. You've been given it for a purpose. God's not yours. So you're called to use it. So I have a gift and I have a responsibility. And the third thing is this, I have an opportunity. Whereas the opportunity comes right after I use it. What are we supposed to use it for? To do what? Serve one another. What an opportunity we have to serve one another. We have an opportunity to pour into other people's lives on a vertical level and bring God worship on a, uh, on a pour into other people's lives on a horizontal level and bring God worship on a vertical level. Every day. So we have a gift, we have a responsibility and we also have an opportunity So we need to recognize these three realities to be good stewards of God's grace. Praise God for that. And if you were with us last week, we saw from Ephesians 4 explicitly, and this this says it again, that the, the purpose of God's gifts are to build God's church. Now, we are to bless the community around us. And this isn't saying don't love other people and love non-believers and bless the community with the gifts God has given you. But the explicit command in scripture for the spiritual gifts that God has given you is to use it to build God's church to serve one another. The words one another in this text mean the body, the family of church. It means to build the church. So the question is, are you willing to do that? And then verse 10, it says varied grace. Varied grace means this, that God has chosen in his sovereignty to give each of us gifts differently. Maybe to different amounts, like scripture teaches us, you get two talents, you get five talents, you get one talent. Okay, praise God, we have anything. But praise God, we're not all like me because that would be a miserable existence, Right? When you think about the body, when you think about spiritual gifts, and you think about the other passages in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, it describes the reality of a body. And so I have an elbow and a knee, and I have a big toe. All of these help function, right? We need each of the parts. They do things differently, but they all work together, hopefully, to help the body accomplish its purpose. So praise God that he gives us very gifts. Now, just because you're not gifted in an area doesn't mean you don't have to do it. You might be like, I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. That means I never have to tell anybody else about the Lord. Wrong. We're all called to be bold witnesses. Every single one of us is called to be bold witnesses. To some of us, it comes more natural. So how do we identify our spiritual gifts so we can use them? Yes, we can take tests, and there are a bevy of them out there, but, man, you can manipulate the test. I wish I had that gift, so I'm going to, like, I got a 5 out of 10. You can also continue to move. You can ask those that are around you. It's a better way for greater accuracy. What areas in your life do you see fruit in? Ask those that know you best. Where are you talented in? Now, talent is not necessarily an accurate description of spiritual gifts, right? What are you passionate about? As Pastor Andrew said, so bluntly and brilliantly this week. I can be passionate about music, but I can't still sing, right? I love, love to play the drums, but I can't. Maybe you can. Well, man, we need more drummers. Anybody know how to play the drums? Let us know. But where are these areas that you're gifted in that God can use you? Where do you see fruit? I'm so glad that some of you are gifted in carpentry because I can't cut a straight line. But what are others affirming in me? And by the way, when you ask that to those that know you best, it might surprise you. And some of God's gifts reveal themselves immediately. Some of them reveal themselves over time. If you would have told me 10 years that I would be a senior pastor that preaches a lot of weeks out of the year, I would have laughed in your face. But God, I grew up thinking I was going to be a spreadsheet guy. That ain't me. <laughs> I have some gifts of administration. Some of you might laugh. It's not my strongest suit. But praise God that he reveals things over time. It's not who you necessarily want to be. It's who God gifted you to be. Then there can be a difference. And part of spiritual growth is learning to lean into what God made you to be and learning to love that and cherish that. Working for Christ is worshiping Christ. All of this is worship. 
A vivid example of this happens in Romans chapter 12. One of the listings of the prominent listings of spiritual gifts happens in Romans 12. But right before that, so you can't separate this from it, but right before that in verses 12, 1, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul, and this is one of my life verses, the Apostle Paul says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? Spiritual worship. So by working for Christ, by offering my bodies as a living sacrifice, I am worshiping Christ. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then after that, immediately, those two verses, starting in verse 3, Paul begins to describe a list of spiritual gifts. So offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And here's how you can do it, but remember, it's worship. It's worship. And then after that are marks of true disciples. You see, the posture and the position of my heart drive the habits of my life. If I'm worshiping God with my heart, the habits of my life are gonna be to work for Christ with my hands. That's what a conduit does, it's a worship. Then we come back here in verse 10, we see the reality that continue, again, we are a steward and not an owner of our gifts. A steward is someone that has been given something to manage to use for a purpose bigger than themselves. Praise God that we are all part of a purpose bigger than ourselves, amen? That God chose us before the beginning of time to have an opportunity to help build his church. We all have a natural inclination to work for something bigger than ourselves, don't we? I wanna be a part of something bigger than ourselves. God today, friends, is offering you that opportunity to give you the privilege of building something that will last into all of eternity to build his church. There is no greater thing in this world than to worship God by building the church of God. It lasts forever. You can build your empire. You can be a small business owner. You can be an entrepreneur. None of that. And you can use that to build God's church. But none of that holds to the candle of the ultimate motivation to help build the church of God. God has given you his grace as a free gift for personal salvation. So let's not mistake that when he says very grace, like God's saving grace is for all of us. It is free gift. You can't earn it and we don't deserve it. You can't work for your salvation, but we are called to work out of our salvation. Paul writes about that in Ephesians chapter two. He says this very explicitly when he says, for by Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And praise God, this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. I can't earn it, my salvation. I don't deserve it. And if you have never, ever, ever experienced salvation in the Lord or know what that means, we would love to talk with you about that and experience the grace of God as you put your faith in him. But Ephesians 2, 8, 9 doesn't stop at 9. It goes to verse 10. For we are what? His workmanship created in who? Christ Jesus to do what? For good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Beforehand, God already created the role that he would have for you, so he just takes his time sometimes in revealing it to you. We are not saved by works, but we are works, but we are saved to work, to do what? To accomplish the purposes that God has laid out. Not our purposes, but God's. To be a good steward means that all my money, is to recognize the reality that all my time is God's. God, how do you want me to use my time? All my money is actually God's. God has given me the giftedness to make money. God, how would you want me to use it? Not oh, what's the least amount I can give, but God, do you, what do you want me to do? And then to be obedient about it, to use my energy as God's. And worship means God gets first, not last. Off the top, not scraps, right? And that's not just money. It is money, but it's time, it's talent, and it's energy. I filled up my calendar with all these things. I can't serve the Lord. Well, you need to readjust your calendar because it's not really worshipful if you're doing your things and maybe going to God and saying, God, I might be able to squeeze you in here or there. Nope. Worship is going to God first. And we are called to, to serve God's church. And that happens inside these walls and outside these walls. One another is God's people. You don't have to be confined to the walls of the church to work for Christ. Praise God for that. But there are responsibilities within the functionality of the church that we have the opportunity to fulfill daily and we need to. 
This past week in our small group, I'm so thankful for an example of this, man. We opened small group and one of our small group members was like, I'm so thankful for another member of our small group because they came over and helped me take a door off my, my new house to get a couch in that couldn't fit because I didn't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that either, by the way. Praise God for those of you that do. <laughs> so thankful for that. That's serving one another. It's working for Christ. But inside the walls of the church, we also have opportunities to serve one another through like kids ministry and student ministry, welcome teams, worship team, a whole bevy of things, grounds, maintenance, all these things bring glory and honor to God. And did you know that God created us to work and not just post Christ's coming, but even pre-fall? If you go back to Genesis chapter two, God said, Adam, work the garden, even before he sinned. Work was how God designed man to function. It is good to work for God. It is good to tend to the things of God. It is good to walk with God as we work for God in a heart of worship to God. That's how God created us to function. Praise God for that. It is not just some punishment of the fall. It is actually pre-exists the fall. God created us to work for him. Disciples are to be apprentices of Jesus, growing more and more to be like Jesus, a heart and attitude like Christ. Now, what did Christ say about serving? Matthew 20, right? I came not to be served, but to what? To serve. And then to do what? To give my life as a ransom for many. You're like, I don't, I can't find the time to serve once a month Christ over here. Man, Jesus came to die like literally die on the cross for you and I. And we're like, I can't afford to give up one hour a month. That's just between you and God, but are you really worshiping God with that attitude? Are you being a steward of God's grace with that attitude? God's grace sent Jesus. God's grace sends us the same grace. Do you have the heart of Christ to respond to the opportunities in the same way that Christ, that God does? The key to this is a heart of humility. I, over the eight plus years of this church, we've had many, many people come to the, the walls, the, the doors of these church. Praise God for that. Praise God for every single person that comes in here. But man, there has been a marked difference. One time I remember early in the church, somebody came in like, I'm so glad to be here, by the way. Did you know that I'm a regional youth speaker and when can I speak to your students? I'm like, can you come help set up Teardown next week? No, nope, I'm too busy for that. Nope, you're not, sir, you're not speaking here. Seriously. I didn't say that directly. But let's just say I never asked him to serve here. And we've had leaders of corporations, military officers, small business owners. Week after week, mothers of four, five, six, seven coaches show up and go, I'm willing to do anything and everything. What do you need? From taking out the trash to changing diapers. You need me to speak, I'll speak. You need me to do whatever. I'm just here to serve. Praise God for that heart, amen. It's not about the job description. It's about the heart position. Humility. God, I want to serve. Where's your heart today? I can often, because what, what does a conduit do, right? This is conduit. Conduit has often electrical pipe that goes in and through. And we see that right here. A steward of God's grace takes God's grace, it receives it, it holds it. And so God has saved us, but then it allows God's grace to flow through us to those that are around us, to one another. God, so when, we, when you disciple and serve and harvest kids, you are like this PVC pipe. And you know what's running through you is God's grace. It's the power the power of the Holy Spirit to teach our kids about the God that loves them and saves them. Praise God, amen, right? That's what it looks like to be a conduit of God's grace. When you hold the door open for someone that comes in on a Sunday morning and welcome them with the love of Christ. Rome, Paul talks in Romans about the impact of hospitality. You are ushering in the glory of God as you greet people like that. Praise God for that, amen? You are, with your service, you're this PVC pipe again. And the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is flowing through you to impact those that are around you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what it means to be a good steward of God's very grace to those that are around us. Praise God for that. Praise God. Often my role, what we looked at last week from Ephesians 4, the pastors, the elders, the staff, our job is to equip people for the work of ministry. Sometimes I can honestly, if I can, can I be real with you guys? I can feel guilty about asking people to do stuff. I'm willing to do everything. But if I try to do everything, there is a 
ceiling problem, right? I can't do everything. Go to Acts 6. Stuff gets dropped, balls get dropped because I'm human, Andrew's human, our elders are human. We have 24 hours in the day, seven days of the week. Acts 6, the people are like, hey, this, you're dropping the ball on food distribution to the Gentiles. And they're like, you know what? You're right, we need help. And we need to give it away. Stewardship of God's grace gives ministry away. It doesn't necessarily, it keeps the responsibility away, but it gives it away. This week, I got a text from somebody that I, I said, hey, you're really good at this. I'm not. Could you help around church? And he goes, yes. And he did it. I'm so thankful. And he said, thank you, Dan, for the opportunity, for giving me the opportunity to serve the Lord with my talents. It's something that I missed in my living spiritual worship in general. Thank you for letting me in the need, serve in any needed capacity that the church has. Man, I love that. Praise God for that. Is that your heart? There are seasons in life that you can't do everything. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. What's your something? I'm so thankful for how God is at work. And I love to see the light bulb moments come on in each of you. That God wants to work in you and through you in far greater than you could ever hope or imagine. Don't believe me? Read Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. To see you go, oh man, look at God using me. I didn't really realize that I could disciple someone in that way. Yes, you can. But are you willing? If you give God your availability, he'll give you the ability. That's his power. But are you willing? I love to see the light bulb moments come on in people like when they get pushed and nudged. Where are you asking, where do you need to step out in faith for God? Maybe it's just serving once a month. Maybe it's like God's throwing in my heart to be a church pointer. Let's talk. Call out the called. Are you, what are you called to do for the Lord? And again, God develops over time. The fruit of a life lived as a conduit of God's grace to those around me grows best with when my heart is anchored in the soil of, the heart, of a heart of gratitude for God's amazing grace first to me. And then I want others to receive it. I want to challenge you to invest in what truly matters and never regret. you'll never regret it. So as a living, what does it look like to live as a conduit of God's grace? You may not be aware, but we're headed into tax season. So let's do a little audit of our hearts. Am I living as a good steward of God's grace, as a conduit? Let's check first our heart level because God's after your heart. Are you, have you received God's grace personally? Let's start there. If we don't get past there, if that's where you're at right now, man, praise God for that. I'm so glad you're here. Have you received God's grace for you and have you put your faith in him as the Lord and said, you can't give what you don't have? On a heart level, and then are you, and then are you remembering God's grace to you? Because when I remember God's grace to me, I am more motivated to show God's grace to those that are around me. Change my perspective. Change my priorities. How many of us are living as a grace amnesiac, as Paul Tripp would say, when God is calling us to live as a grace instrument? Don't forget about God's grace to you, who you were before God and how it changed you. And will you live that way for him right now? Remember, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And if anyone deserved to be served, it's Jesus Christ. He's the standard. Discipleship is to be like Jesus. Are you living with a heart attitude that, of, that others are here to serve you? I'm here to get what I can get out of the church and go home and never think another thing of it. That's not the right heart. I'm so glad you're here and whatever you get out of it, great. But church is about Jesus, it's not about you, ultimately. And I love you too much not to say that. Second thing is head level. Are you resting in the reality of God's grace to you? Are you resting in that reality? Man, there's a lot of things swirling in our head, a lot of things going on. Are you resting in that beautiful reality today? And are you renewing your mind in that? Romans 12 too, right? Renew your mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's good and perfect gifts are. When you renew your mind on a daily basis on God's grace, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. That sustains us. That gives us strength. That helps us clarify priorities. And on a hands level, am I, am I living today to reflect God's grace to those that are around me? And where in my life do I need to recenter my, my life, my priorities to show God's grace practically to the biblical community that I'm in? And again, we see biblical community right here like to one another. You can't effectively work for Christ in the way that the Bible is calling you to work for Christ outside of biblical community. So where do you need to lean into the biblical community? 
There are a lot of different excuses that we use. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the money. I don't have the expertise. A lot of those are what they are, excuses. You make time for what matters, right? You find money for what matters. I don't have time to serve the Lord. Well, how's the latest Netflix binge? Oh, this is a great series. You got time. You're just choosing to do other things with it. I got time to watch the game. I got time to work on my skill for my job. I don't have time to read God's word. Well, you got time. And look, different seasons, different things. Again, this is a worship thing. But where do you need to make adjustments? Where do you need to make, recenter your heart? Change how you spend your money. Change how you use your time. Stewardship reality check right now. How are you managing your treasure, your money, your fine? How are you measuring your talent? How are you measuring your time, managing your time? How are you managing your energy to advance God's kingdom, to accomplish his work in you and through you? Worship is giving God your best, not what's left over. So what's your next step? And you might be going, Pastor Dan, that's great. But man, serving other people around me, they're just going to hurt me. Yeah, they are. I can't pour my life out to others to get stabbed in the back again. And I'm so sorry for the church, the hurt that you're carrying. Church hurt's real. Hurt is real. Sin is real. Amen. But that does not preclude us from our responsibility of living for the Lord faithfully. Why? How do I know that? We'll hop back up a couple of verses to verse eight when Peter says this. Above all, keep what? Loving one another what? Earnestly. Since love does what? covers a multitude of sins. Serving is loving. Serving is loving God first vertically and loving others horizontally and above all, above everything else, keep loving. Well, they don't deserve it. You know what? They might not, but you know who deserves it? God. It's a heart of worship. God, this is serving is first and foremost about God vertically. God deserves your heart of worship to serve others, even if others don't deserve it, because guess what? God served us by sending Jesus to die on the cross when you and I definitely did not deserve that. That's grace. And now we are to steward that same grace with the same heart attitude to those that are around us, to be that conduit. So where do you need to change your heart to do that? And you're like, I don't have the strength to do that. How can I put myself back out there after being hurt? I can't do it. I don't have the capacity. And you know what? You're right. You can't do it in your own strength. The second sign today, the second sign of a good grace steward is this reality the, grace, the stewards of grace are fueled by God's strength. Look at verse 11. That whoever speaks, one speaks oracles of God, that's the words of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the what? What's the next word? Strength that who supplies? God supplies. You're right, you don't have the strength, but you know who does? God. It's not your strength that you are to be using to serve the, serve the Lord by serving others. It's God's strength. We're going to fail if we try to do it in our strength. And look what happens when that happens. Like we bring glory to God when we do it in his way. Working for Christ adopts the attitude not uh, the more that God can, even when I can't. Where in your life has working for Christ exhibited more in the form of making excuses than is living in a life of obedience? Again, this is not a do more message. It's a worship more message. This is not meant to heap guilt. It's meant to you, for you to understand God's grace, that God's grace saves you and God's grace will strengthen you and sanctify you each and every one of the ways. You can't give what you don't have. You can't pour out of an empty cup. And if I were to hazard a guess, many of you have an empty cup right now. So the first step before you give more is to abide more. Abiding in Christ is a huge part of experiencing the grace of Christ and being strengthened by Christ. You can't give what you don't have. But how many of us are trying to pour right now out of an empty cup? You know what happens? We get burnt out. Jesus says this in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. You can't serve the kids. You can't do the food pantry. Apart from Jesus, you can do Nothing. It's a worship issue before it's a work issue. Jesus cares way more about who you are in him than what you do for him. But as you grow in him, we grow to do more for him. Praise God for that. God cares way more, way more 
We serve out of our identity in Jesus, not to try to achieve our identity outside of Jesus. So if you find yourself struggling to serve this morning, I want to I challenge you to ask two different questions. The first is this. They're self-diagnostic questions, and maybe you surround yourself with friends and ask, help, ask these around them and get them to speak into your life. Small group's a great venue for this. First is this. Where in my heart am I not truly trusting in God's power, God's promises, God's provision, God's plan, or God's purposes? Because that's on one end of the spectrum of not serving. I can't serve because I don't have time. And if, if, I don't, if I don't keep doing over here and run my full schedule over here, I'm not going to make the money I need to make to at work. I'm not going to have a dating relationship over here. Like We're making all of these excuses for trying to find satisfaction and sufficiency for things outside of Christ. And we're refusing to actually do what Jesus is telling us. And we're forgetting the reality that our abundance is found exclusively in Jesus Christ. And not in anything or everything else. Where are you refusing to trust? And where are you going, I can't speak that way. If you call me to go over there, you know what they think about me? You know what will happen to me? I want to introduce you to a friend by the name Moses. Read Exodus 3. When God showed up in a burning bush, and many of us don't have burning bush moments. Some of us maybe do. And he's like, go back to Egypt. And Moses makes like five or six excuses to the face of God. I can't. I can't do this. I can't speak. You don't know me. And God's like, I know exactly who you are. And more than that, I know who I am. I am. And I am with you. And I will not forsake you. And I am is with you. Who, who should I say something? I am. Tell them that the God of the universe, Yahweh, sends Trust me, Moses, even when you can't see. Trust me, Moses, even when you just want to keep shepherding the flock. Here, you want to shepherd sheep? I want you to shepherd people. Let's go. Where do you need to do that in your life? Most likely, often, we don't serve because we're not trusting God to supply it or to grow us in it or to provide the strength. Or I can't see myself speaking to young people and someone's like, I think you should try, or you know, the nudging of the Holy. I can't see myself doing this. I can't, but God can. Where do you need to trust? God will send, never send you to a person, a play, or a place that He won't go with you, strengthen you, or uphold you. God hardly ever calls the equipped. God always equips the cold. So you need to grow, you need to grow more abiding, read more, memorize, meditate, get in biblical community, meditate on the promises of God. Second question to ask us, are your heart this morning is, where in my life am I relying on my own strength to serve and not God's strength? You're burnt out this morning is probably because of the reality of you're relying on your own strength. Jesus himself got away to pray, to nap, to rest. Rhythms of rest are vitally important. I am growing in this area. I have not arrived in this area. Rhythms of rest are incredibly important. So when we say serve, it's not like, oh, you might have this thing going on at home or this situation with a child or this life situation or this, like, yes, those are things like your focus needs to be here right now. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. I need to take a step back from the welcome team. I need to take a step back from the worship. Okay, but ask yourself the question, is that really real? And if it is, great. How can we support you in those things? Rest is vitally important and abundantly clear. We care way more about you. I do, and more importantly, God does. Your heart and your soul than anything you do. Anything that you do. And I hope you hear that, and I hope you know that. But where in my life am I not relying on God's strength to serve? Maybe where in my life have I allowed a ministry to become a God or an idol in my life? And I don't want to give it up. I don't want to stop doing it. I don't want to go over here because this has become my identity and Christ hasn't. All of us need, need help. And can anybody drive your car from here to California without stopping? Nope. And life is a whole lot longer than that. I don't care if you have a regular car, an electric car. You need to stop along the way to get more fuel. Plug into an electrical outlet, get more gas, eat some food. Or at some point, it gets to be dangerous because you're going to fall asleep. You're exhausted and get in an accident and end up in a ditch. Same thing when you serve. We need to stop. We need to rest. But while pit stops are paramount, they are meant to be just that, pit stops. Some of us right now hearing this need to take a moment of rest. Others of us, we've been at the pit stop for a little bit too long, and it's time to get back on the road. 
And you don't get to zero to 100 overnight, but you take the next step. The car's coming off a of pit road or NASCAR. They have a speed limit, right? You're just taking the next step to get back up to full speed. But where do you need to continue to serve? Brakes and rest, they're, they're essential. I don't know where your gas tank level is, but again, rest is worship, but be intentional about it. Be intentional about it. Pit stops are paramount, but they're not permanent. Where do you need to continue to walk in the Lord, abide in the Lord? This is a huge reason why God is calling all of us to serve so that we can care for each other. Why are we praying that God would send more people for the worship team, the production team, the kids, so we can get rhythms of rest for everyone, right? So even if you can go, I can do once a quarter, great, because that allows somebody else to serve, feels more called to do it regularly to have a rest break. It all takes something. Maybe you can do once a quarter, once a week, once a month. I don't know, but it's all important. And we're all working together as a team to accomplish the mission of God. Same thing with student ministry, same thing across the board. That's why it's so vitally important. This is also why sometimes we don't do things that we even want to do or feel God calling us to because we don't have the leadership for it. We don't have the manpower for it because they're like the, the leader's taking a rest break and people matter more or other people haven't stepped up. We, man, God would love to do this, but we just don't have leadership for it. We don't have people that are willing to put energy in it and know the staff can't do everything. And know the elders can't do everything. Remember last week, Ephesians 4.12, who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? The body. The leaders of the church are called to equip the church for the work of ministry, not to do all the ministry for everybody. So where do you need to step up in a beautiful opportunity? To do it in God's strength, to be fueled by God's strength. This text teaches us that we've each been given a gift of God by the grace of God to be used to serve the people of God by the strength of God in order to build the church of God and through it all to bring the, God, the glory to God. I love how Paul really encapsulates the heart of Peter's message here when he writes this in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. He says, him, this is the mission. This is the disciple-making mission. This is the lifetime of discipleship. Him, Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present to everyone what? Mature in Christ. That's discipleship. For this I toil, like I'm pouring it out, blood, sweat, tears, struggling with all what? His energy, not my own. His energy that he powerfully works within me. Conduit. In me, through me. So it's not like I'm going to sit in a holy huddle and never serve. I'm never going to go out. But I'm going to, God, I have a passion and a calling to give my life, not to collect some seashells on the shore, but to make disciples of my neighborhoods to the nations because that's what matters for eternity. But I can't do it without you. Forgive me for trying. Many of us are trying to do that. And some of us are like, somebody else is going to do that when God's calling us to do that. Are you being fueled by God's strength today? Faithful stewards of God's grace are fervent servants for God's glory. We want to be a faithful steward. The third sign of being a good steward of God's grace is this. Good stewards are motivated by God's glory. Verse 11 the last half of it, by the strength that God supplies, we're gonna serve by the strength that God supplies in order that what? In everything, God may be glorified, amen? Through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. If you go back to the mission of our church and the mission that Jesus gives us, because we wanna pull everything from the text of the scripture and apply it to our lives, our mission is to glorify God. It could end there, period, exclamation point, through the fulfillment of the great commission. This text is teaching us the reality that when we work for Christ, we bring glory to God. Praise God for that, amen. So that when you open a door and welcome people in, in the, on the welcome team, you are ushering in the glory of God. When you serve on the kids team, when you serve on the student team, when you serve on, on the worship team or production team, you are glorifying God and you're magnifying Christ. This is not a we need more warm bodies message. It's a we desire God to be glorified message. And we want to give us the opportunity and the exhortation to pursue that. That's the heart of worship. Get back to that. And may that be our motivation. Because Peter's saying, when your motivation is to glorify God, you will spend your life serving God. Because it brings God glory. And it builds his church. So where's your motivation, friends? What drives you? What motivates you? Because the posture of your heart will propel the purposes of your life. 
if it's to glorify God, then you get fired up about doing whatever it takes. And by whatever it takes, it means mowing the grass, teaching in kids, serving on the production team, sharing the gospel in your neighborhoods, working at a food pantry. And again, more of the external service focused opportunity we're gonna talk about in a couple of weeks. This is more internally focused because that's where the text is, to serve one another, to serve the church. But good stewards are motivated to accomplish the, person, the purposes of their masters. And you know what Jesus said in John 17 is? In his prayer right before he went to the cross, he said, God, I have, I'm paraphrasing. I'm here to glorify you. I have glorified you by doing, John 17, 4, by doing the work that you sent me to do. And may that be the motive and the cry of all of our hearts. That's our cry here at Harvest. We're not perfect in it. Praise God for his grace, amen. But we are pursuing it. Jesus is our master and our Lord, and he made it very, very clear that his primary goal was to glorify God by dying for his church and then building his church. And we as his disciples are, should be motivated by the same thing. Because here's the reality, the grace that God gives us, and I love my friend Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I don't really know him, he died way before I was born, I'm not that old. But he talks about this thing called cheap grace versus costly grace. The grace of God, while it's a free gift to us, was very, very costly because it cost Jesus Christ everything, amen? And he was willing to do that when he looked at the cross and he said, God, if there's any other way, take this cup for me, but not my will, but yours be done. He looked at you and I and said, I'm willing to do that work if that's what it takes to love those that have rejected me, that you, God, you created and want a relationship with. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do that work. God, strengthen me to bring you glory. Do you have the same heart attitude today? Or are you living a life of cheap grace that I'm just so glad to be comfortable and cozy and come to an air-conditioned or heated facility and worship a few songs on a Sunday morning, go about my life as if nothing else has changed. Maybe drop a few dollars. That's cheap grace. God wants your heart. He wants your heart. He wants your hands. He wants your head. He wants all of you. And doesn't he deserve it? So what does it look like to be motivated for God's glory? Here are some marks of motivation. I desire adoration over personal accolades. I don't care about what job I do. How many of us are like, I'm gonna make it if I make it to be an elder, if I make it to be a small group leader, then I've arrived. It's not about you arriving. It's about God being glorified. I wanna adore him. It's about humility, not hubris. Humility says, I'm willing to do anything and everything. I wanna exalt God. I wanna make him greater and I wanna decrease. Not pride that says, that's beneath me. I did that 10 years ago. How dare I, you ask me to pick up trash. Or I do it before even being asked or I don't have a heart of bitterness or resentment. I do whatever it takes. Just like Jesus made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, Philippians 2, right? Heart position more than job description. What do you care about more? I see opportunities to serve as opportunities more than obligations. I have a get to attitude over a have to attitude. I get to worship the Lord and bring God glory by making coffee. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? It's all about discipleship. Part of our heart here at Harvest is to tie everything back into how does this thing help us make disciples? And if it doesn't help us make disciples, we are not doing that thing. Sharing resources more than hoarding them. Time is a resource. Your talent's a resource. Your money's a resource. Where's your heart right now? Closed-handed, open-handed. Do you have yes on your heart or do you have no on your heart? Because it's God asking. Embracing opportunities more than excusing them. Jesus is coming back and Matthew 25 teaches he's given you a talent. Are you investing it or are you burying it? Because if you are trying to do God's work apart from him, John 15, or if you're taking the talent that God has given you and burying it and not using it, both of those scriptures, Jesus casts you away from him for eternity. That's scary, guys. Because it's a revelation of where your heart condition is that he's not really Lord of your life. Matthew, get away from me. I never knew you. Jesus cares way more about you than who you are in him, than what you do for him. Are you choosing to build God's kingdom or build your kingdom? Do you have a soft heart or a hard calloused heart? Are you living a life of dependence today on God or disobedience? God, I can't do that because I don't have the resources. If God calls you, look, I can tell you story after story of eight years of planting this church. We don't have the money. We don't have the people. We don't have the location, but God, every time, he does it differently. 
but he does it, man. Do you have a God can do it attitude or a I can't do it attitude? It's God's strength. It's God's calling. He provides. Conviction over convenience, commitment over complacency, choosing to be a shareholder over a spectator, contributor over a consumer. Jesus looked at men who were fishing on their boats and said, come on, that's great in the family business. Come on, let's go make fishers of men. Somebody in this room is gonna be called to plant a church potentially one day. Are you willing? Maybe leave your job and go into full-time ministry. Be an ambassador over being ambivalent. Don't waste your life. Do what matters. We've each been given a gift from God by the grace of God to be used to serve the people of God in order to build the church of God and through it all to bring glory to God. These two verses say that explicitly, praise God. Serving one another is serving God. God wants your heart and he equips you and empowers you to serve. So I want to take you to take out this sheet as we look to close right now. This is a heart of worship. It's a question of your heart. And so many of you are serving so faithfully right now. So I want to challenge us in a couple different areas. We're going to respond. I'm going to challenge you to respond. Here are areas within the church. And again, we're going to look more externally for things like pop-up pantry and mission trip opportunities, harvest serves down the road in a couple weeks. This is more internally. Where our, our challenge for each and every one of us is where you see the weekly ministry needs that every single person that calls Harvest or Church home would be willing and able to participate in one of those things on a weekly, monthly, even quarterly basis. Every season is different. Every situation is different. Maybe you have a situation in your life that you can't. Man, let us know and we would love to equip you with opportunities to serve. But those are more probably the exceptions than the reality. Kids ministry, worship team, ministry, production team, student ministry, welcome team, usher security. We will train you. We will walk with you. We will help you. Do you have the heart to serve? And some of these things have some giftedness associated. Not everybody that wants to sing can sing like me. Not everybody that wants to teach in kids' ministry is equipped right now to teach, but man, let's, let's train you. And there are additional ministry needs that come from time to time, things that help advance the mission of the church we would love to know. We need more photographers or videography, gardening and grounds. It's gonna be spring soon. Flowers are gonna be planting. I kill flowers. I don't help them, okay? I need your help. Facility maintenance, visual arts, social media, hospitality with food and special events. So I want you to check every area that you're interested in. One of our team will follow up in very shortly in the next week or so with you. But maybe it starts with this. Maybe you're faithfully serving it on a heart level. God's like, you ha you've just been checking a box, literally. I'm on the worship team. I'm on the production team. I'm on the kids team. But it's just something I do. I felt guilty about it. And right now I want to recommit in a heart of worship. God, that I'm going to do this as an act of worship on a heart level right now. A heart level. I'm going to go all in, God, and I want you to check that. I want you to turn it in. We're going to, during our response song, to walk up here as a part of worship. We're going in the back with the offering box and just put it right here at the altar of Christ. This is you and God. You don't even need to put your name on it if that's not you. If that's you right now, it's just between you and God. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you, Jesus. Or maybe with your hands, God is calling you to step up and you've been here a couple weeks. You've been here a couple months, a couple of years. And God's asking you right now to step up and serve, to embrace kingdom responsibility within the church. And okay, I'm gonna step out in faith. I don't know how to do this. I don't know where the time's gonna come from. I don't, I've been waiting. I've been hesitating. I've been excusing, but now's the moment. And check all that you're interested in and we will work with you to find the right situation for you. I promise. Our calling and our responsibility is to equip you to do the work of the Lord so that you can bring glory to the Lord. This is part of that. And it takes all of us, not some of us. None of us can do everything. All of us can do something. So what's your thing? It's God is calling you. So as we close right now, would you just close your eyes and bow your head? I'm gonna just have silence here as Amy plays for the next 30 to 60 seconds. And then I'll close in prayer and we'll go into our response song. And right now during this silent time, I want you to ask you to search your heart. Are you really living with a life of worship? Is Romans 12 one evidence in your life? Are you offering all of your life to the Lord in view of your mercy and grace, God? I offer my body, everything, 100% of my time, talent, treasure to you as my living sacrifice, as my spiritual and physical act of worship. Because this is good and pleasing to you, God. And will you ask him where he wants you to take a next step in serving him or come back to a heart of worship in him?
Father, we love you. God, forgive us for our offense so much. God, for the times that we fall short of worship, of the times that we prioritize ourselves or our pursuits over your pursuits with our time, with our talent, with our treasure. We, we, we ask for your forgiveness, God, for that. And we ask right now that you would just give us the strength as you promised to do in this text to serve you, to take a step of faith, to make the adjustments that are needed, to commit. Maybe it's scary for one reason or another. To say no to other things, to say yes to your thing. Because you're worthy of it all. God, we want to glorify you. And Jesus, we want to magnify you. And we want to live that out in our practical every area of our life. God, thank you for the privilege of having the opportunity to serve you and work for you. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.